Dartmoor, England's last wilderness, a wild and wondrous region where the Tors and Myers remain haunted by the fables and legends of this mysterious place. Welcome to Myths of the Moor. Episode four of Myths of the Moor, and with me once again is my is my dad, big guy over there. Hello, it's a pleasure to have you. We are not in Devon this time. No, we're back here in uh, dear old Reading, in the home counties, home counties of England. Uh, and we're we're catching up now after a few weeks after a few weeks break. And in that time, all hell has broken <laughs> loose on the uh, on the Devon Twitter. Uh, in relation to this very podcast, and that is why we've had a very slight rebranding over the last few days. So it turned out um, that, due to our lack of uh, lack of decent research, um, that Myth and More, a fantastic uh, pun, uh, as we found out, was not our original uh, idea, and had in fact been used by a lady called Terry Windling, who's been running a pod, uh, not a podcast, sorry, a blog uh, that's existed for many, many years, and since we've established, is a rather a fine piece of work. Yeah, I've I've seen some of her work myself, and I must admit I'm very impressed. Yeah, so uh, Terry got in touch on Twitter and and made the very fair point that um, that while uh, we did have very slightly distinct uh, bits of content up on the internet, that it was a struggle for some of her users to find her after many years. Uh, and so I said, absolutely no problem. We're happy to make a change. So we made a very small change. Uh, to the name, so we're now Myths of the Moor, which you should see uh, on the Twitter and on the podcast on uh, on Apple and Stitcher and everywhere else. And it was it was actually a very nice exchange with Terry, and she seems like a lovely person. She was very straight up and uh, very helpful about it. And actually, after the initial sort of indignation of some of her fans on Twitter, <laughs> once everyone realised it was a mistake, everyone came around and we actually got a bunch of new followers. And some, I met some very nice people online because of that. So welcome to uh, all of the new users, uh, all of the new listeners that we have. Absolutely. And uh, thanks very much for explaining that in so much detail. And uh, although we may not have actually researched the uh, the name of the uh, the podcast too accurately, we have done a lot of research into the <laughs> myths and other legends of Dartmoor. Well, exactly. So hopefully uh, we can get back into those into those now. And so, uh, Big Guy, you can tell us what, what is the uh, subject of this week's pod? Well, I thought what we'd talk about this time is... Um, what have been described as the ghosts of the road and the haunters of the high places. Um, you and I have been on Dartmoor many times and perhaps you've been caught in a serious mist that's come down. And it's not... Oh, it's most of the time. It's actually honest. most of the time. <laughs> and it isn't long before you start seeing things that... Uh, Maybe you can't quite interpret the ghostly shapes yeah. against the rocks of the moor. I could very much see that because it's not... It's not a place of a huge amount of contrast, I'd say, once you're up on the high. No, that's anyway. true. It's... You've got a lot of the same views. You, you can look in a lot of different directions and see the same thing a lot of time. A little bit of scrub, a little hill, maybe a tour off in the distance. But it's not always easy to 
orientate yourself. Well, that's well, why I guess they do the um, Duke of Edinburgh and everything. Up there. Well, that's right. But actually, you're making Dartmoor sound a rather dull and boring place <laughs> by describing <laughs> it in that way. And of course, as many writers have pointed out, Dartmoor has many moods. It, it has its moments. We've it? been up there on days when the sky has been beautifully crystal clear. True. The clarity of the air is such that you can see 20 miles maybe right across to the moors of Bodmin. The other way you can see the sea over Plymouth Sound. Other times, as you say, you're absolutely right. You can't <laughs> see your nose in front of your face. And no. that's really the sort of uh, situation I wanted to go into in a little bit more detail today with the ghosts of the road and haunters of the high places. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think we've, we've been up there a few times when the, when the mist has come down. It is quite scary. I mean, at some point you can only see the few feet, you know, the few yards in front of your feet. Absolutely. And this, of course, is when people get uh, so-called pixie-led. And, of course, mm. the pixie is a very much a characteristic um, feature of Dartmoor, and we'll talk about that in another episode. OK. But Are you going to explain the difference between your sort of pixie and your fairy and your goblin? I don't really know the difference between them. No, I'm not going to do that now, okay. though, because we're talking, about, <laughs> we're talking about hauntings. What's a kobold? Um, a kobold? Is that a well, kind of goblin? Yeah, there are kobolds. I think you spell it with a K. Oh, okay. Kobold. Um, is that a kind of imp of some kind? It's, it's a sort of imp. And in, in fact, there is evidence of these on um, one of the main areas of mining on Dartmoor. Oh. Chaw Gully. Okay. Uh, the kobolds of Chaw Gully. But I think, we, can we talk about that a little bit later? <laughs> Simon, you I'm know, interested to know. Yeah, I, I know. What we, we maybe need to have an entire section on the sort of classification of various well uh, we might but uh, that's getting a little bit demons uh, that's getting a little bit taxonomical okay, isn't it? we right. don't want to get too um wrapped up with with definitions okay well let's come I back to the moors let's then. just that's talk good. about let's <laughs> just talk about ghosts shall we that's what we're here to <laughs> good. do good okay, okay that sounds much more like it so you you may remember some of our listeners may remember in episode one we looked about uh, looked at walter raleigh and how he was uh, alleged to have buried some gold um okay. in a field near his home um Near Fardell Hall. Okay. Well, it wasn't just Walter Raleigh. His wife got involved in this as well. Um, she was rather interestingly called Elizabeth Throckmorton. <laughs> oh, excellent name. And um, old Throckers. Old Throckers. She had herself amassed quite a large fortune. Okay. Um, and when she came back to the family home, um, she was very anxious to find this fortune. Could she find it? Could she? No, act? she couldn't. She wandered around looking for it, died. That didn't stop her looking. She can still be seen in a long black dress, wandering the fields and lanes around Cornwood on the southern slopes of Dartmoor. But is she guarding the treasure? Or is she helping to find it? Whatever the reasons, the gold has never been found. Ooh. So the... The Raleigh treasure still lies yeah, There's hidden. rather a lot of hidden treasure left on Dartmoor. You'd think there'd be detectorists up there all the time looking for this stuff. Well, though, of course, detectorism is just a modern form of antiquarianism. True. As soon as the 19th century got into its stride and there were Anglican clergymen with um, huge <laughs> parishes and yeah. no population and very little to do, they spent a lot of their time digging up some of the early oh, okay. um, remains on Dartmoor. Unfortunately, they weren't trained archaeologists. Um, they took along didn't a couple. Know what they were doing. No, didn't have a clue. They took along a couple of local um, farm labourers with a pick and shovel. Yeah. Dig there, my good fellow. Yeah. Um, 
probably disturbed any remains that were there. But once again, <clears throat> we're getting into an area that we may well discuss in another episode. Yes, that's fine. We've got an episode coming up called Rock and Stone, I think. Oh, okay. And we may well be talking about those sorts of things there. Today, I think, let's try and concentrate on ghosts. Yeah. There's a parish on the eastern side of Dartmoor called Gidley. Okay. It once had a castle, Gidley Castle. It's in the valley of the River Teen, or Ting, some people yep. pronounce it. Um, and on dark nights, a little bridge over the tributary of the Ting called the Blackerton Brook can often be heard the sounds of a skirmish between the Roundheads and the Cavaliers, mm. a civil war battle, the struggle for Gidley Castle. It still continues to this very day. And a lot of people who, who walked in this area have... Uh, said that they feel that they're almost surrounded by the noise of battle. Well, isn't there isn't there a thing amongst ghost hunters and the like that rocks are actually... Uh, we, I know we're going back to rocks again, but don't stop me because I'm, I'm on a topic. It is related You're to... You're on work. a roll. You carry on. It is related on. to ghosts. You carry on. That the, that the rocks themselves can act as a kind of... a, a kind of tape for recording sounds that then later get released out of the rock in some kind of pseudo-scientific manner. <laughs> well, that's true. In fact, there was a programme produced by the BBC probably 30 years ago now called mm. The Stone Tapes. Okay. And I think the scenario was that a group of young people yeah. um, took a cottage in some remote part of Wales or wherever it was. Yeah. Um, and during the course of their stay there, they heard what seemed to be the repetition of a hideous murder that took place. Mm. And of course, needless to say, of course, one of them was a geologist and said, oh, well, yes, the quartz and the silicon in these rocks yeah. are really little more than a very, very simple solid-state tape recorder. Ah, obviously. So that's how I think the legend of, or the theory of the stone tape came about. And Dartmoor being full of stones, perfect environment for the recording of, of uh, mad battles. Absolutely. Quartz. Felspar yeah. in the granite. <laughs> yes. You know, these are all components, I believe, of a solid state recording. Well, there equipment. you go. So maybe Dartmoor is just one huge tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. Only without the tape, of course. Because that might also explain uh, the uh, the kind of weird witches that we had <clears throat> shouting out people's names at Classic World Pool. Oh, absolutely. Which some of our followers questioned the validity of that story. Really? <laughs> Imagine that. I cannot believe that. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, Piers Gaveston. Um, you should know the witch of Dartmoor. For goodness sake, I know. You know it, it, don't blame us. Blame Gaveston if you're going to blame yeah, anyone. Yeah, or the witch, or the witch. You know, yeah, or the witch herself. Your humbled head will soon be held high. Mm. Well, you know, poor old Gaveston. He really misinterpreted <laughs> that, didn't he? <laughs> poor bloke. Uh, yeah. So potentially, Dartmoor, a place where all kinds of uh, sounds are being ghostly released from the rock absolutely Quite but scary. yeah oh absolutely but it isn't just sounds of course it's the visual impact as well yes um that same bridge actually over that little um blackerton brook mm. um other walkers just pleasant young couples having mm -hmm. a stroll in the evening what do they see the ghost of a young woman lingering on this remote bridge mm. her black dress white lace around her neck and a large oval brooch containing a lock of hair. All these things can apparently be very clearly seen. <laughs> I guess so. Um, why is her ghost haunting there? Well, on w one dark, stormy night, the river was flooded. She threw herself in. Aww. Maybe it was suicide. 
We just don't know. Mm. So maybe somebody can add a little bit more information yeah. to that story. I think whenever you whenever you have have ghost uh, reports of ghost sightings, they're often of a certain era, aren't they? The ghosts. Sort of exclusively um, Victorian in most cases. Well, in some cases, but if we have time, we may come to rather more recent Because I'd uh, like sightings. a more modern ghost sighting, to be honest. You never see a ghost sighting of a bloke wearing, you know, a pair of Reebok classics and a, and a Kappa tracksuit, do you? No, but maybe because those sort of blokes are not daft enough to commit suicide or get murdered <laughs> well, on well, the moor. I don't know. You know, they may, know. They're, they're probably well-equipped. High performance clothing. You know. What about the two go back to Classy World Pool again? <laughs> oh, World Pool. What about the two lads? Why aren't their ghosts now haunting other people? That's my point. You don't see two lads on rally you know, on rally boxes going around haunting. It's always a it's always a sort of mysterious lady in a Victorian dress or something. Yeah. It was probably a Honda one two five. Oh did you add them on motorbikes? I had them on push bikes. Oh no, they're on a motorbike. <laughs> but that changes everything. <laughs> That's how they managed to crash and kill themselves. I think we're only making that story. You don't fall uh, worse. off a Raleigh chopper, do you, and <laughs> kill yourself? Yeah. No, come on. Alright, sorry. Let's let's where are we then? Ghosts. Yes. We're ghosts. This yes. this episode seems to be coming uh, somewhat random and um, wander fine. through the uh, <laughs> through the byways of, it's all of, good. of Dartmoor myths, but, that, it's but, all but that's good. fine. No, yeah. let's go back to a serious okay. um, topographer and historian whose name I'm sure is familiar to you, of course, and to many of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Dear old Tristram Risden. Oh, Risden. Old Risden. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We know about Risden. Now he identified three remarkable things on Dartmoor. Okay. Don't ask me to remember what the other two are at the moment. <laughs> if you say you've got three things, you need to have three. We'll make the other two up. No, we won't, because oh, okay. they are real things. <laughs> right. One of them is Child's Tomb, which we'll come to okay. later. Okay, okay. Uh, the other one is something else. <laughs> right, great. Well, excellent. So that, that's, <laughs> that's really good. Stuff, yeah. That's really good. But he speaks of one of these remarkable things as yeah. Crockern Tor. Okay. Now, if you drive across um, the central road across Dartmoor near Two Bridges, on the left is Crockern Tor, which right. was originally... Um, the seat of the Stannery Parliament. What's the Stannery yeah, Parliament? Yeah, I think some of our listeners have said that maybe we use technical terms that are not <laughs> generally understood. Well, I don't know this one. Let me go back to basics. Okay. Think think back to when you learned Latin at school. Yes, okay. Latin word for tin, stannum. Right. And, of course, Dartmoor was one of the great tin-producing areas. And the tinners got together and formed their own parliament which was known as the Stannery Parliament. Gotcha. Now, for some reason, instead of meeting in a nice pub or something in Tavistock, they all traipsed up to this tor in the middle of nowhere called Crockern Tor. And originally, the stone formations were such that you could actually see a seat cut out of the rock. Did they fancy themselves to be sort of... Some kind of ritualistic organisation, then? Is that what no, it no, like? no? They weren't ritualistic. They were very much. It um, was a serious business. Wasn't oh, it? It's, it's, the stanneries of Dartmoor made huge amounts of money, okay. and a lot of the wealth went to the crown, of course, uh, because Dartmoor is a royal forest. Of course, yeah. Um, so the stanators had to meet and decide <laughs> how much they would get for themselves. What were the price of tin? What okay. size the tin ingot would be? Yeah. And for some reason, they met on this tour. But usually the weather was so appallingly bad that they'd cut the proceedings short and they'd go to Tavistock <laughs> and they'd have <laughs> right. it in the pub. Okay. But basically they would always start up on the Stannery 
Parliament at Crockern Hall. Okay. But the point about this, the haunting aspect of this, is that there is supposed to be the spirit of the tour, old Crockern himself. And he's described as being grey as granite, his eyes deep as peat water pools. And sometimes on a dark and stormy and misty night, he can be seen rushing across the moors, wielding a sword. His steel of the sword glimmers a ghastly green. His arrival is heralded by a rush of icy wind and a dry rattle of bones and obscurely a clatter of falling stones and an eerie whistling. Some say that Crockern is a personification of the devil himself. Oh, crikey. But the old Prince of Darkness is Mm -hmm. a massive subject on Dartmoor, of course, and I think we'll talk about him in another episode. But that could be him up on Crockern. It could be. Crockern could indeed be... El Diablo himself. El Diablo. Yes, the personification of darkness. Crikey. If it it was so terrifying (laughs) up there, why did they keep going back? Well, it's not clear that the Stanators were haunted by Crockern. Oh, okay. This is another... You know what Risdon's like. And then probably our old pal Bering Gould again came in and glossed it. Yes. Um, So these... I've been thinking about this, Mm. researching... um, the background to these podcasts is that a tiny little legend is built upon yeah. and built upon, yeah. and extra little facts or pseudo facts, or maybe just imaginary events are added to this. So it's a whole series of layers of facts are laid one on the other until you get these crazy stories. Yeah, I think anywhere where you've got a very remote location. It's very easy to put meaning onto stuff, right? Because there's all kinds of weird stuff's going to happen up there that's hard to explain, yeah. uh, and you're going to try and put meaning onto it. And especially back then, mm. um, when people maybe didn't have the scientific way of thinking that they do now, and it must have been quite easy and quite scary, especially at night with no lights and things like that, to be up there on the moor. And you could definitely imagine starting to hear and see some pretty weird stuff. Absolutely. There's another very weird thing. Um, On the eastern side of Dartmoor, um, there's a cross. Of course, there are many, many crosses on Dartmoor. Most of them simply marked paths and tracks across the moor. There's one called Beetor Cross, but the area around it is known slightly sinisterly as Mm -hmm. the watching place. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, William Crossing. Now, I don't think we've mentioned William Crossing No, I don't think we've had Crossing yet. No, he was a mid to late 19th century Dartmoor writer he spent 40 odd years of his life walking the moor tramping the moors in all weathers and wrote the first comprehensive guide crossings guide to dartmoor lists just about everywhere on the moors and attaches lots of legends to it he says that this stone was erected to commemorate um, a battle between the saxons and the romano british and that it also was the site of a gibbet Ah. ah, yeah, we were talking about these the other week. Yes, we were. And apparently it was the last gibbet to be actually used on Dartmoor to hang oh, a really? miscreant. And what yes. was the crime of this miscreant? I was afraid you might ask that. Sheep, we, sheep theft. No, no, we think it was John Fall. 
A mysterious highwayman. That is an incredibly ironic name for a bloke that was then hung from a gibbet. Absolutely. But <laughs> That's almost too perfect. John, John Fall, John, the highwayman. He took a fall. Um, he was thought by some to be very similar to Spring-Heeled Jack. Ah, yeah. Do you remember the story of Spring-Heeled Jack? Spring yeah. Jack? Yeah. Yep. Who would haunt places, well, Barnes Common, for example. Yes. Yeah. Um, a man who was capable, apparently, of leaping huge distances into the air. Um. And maybe it's called the watching place because that's where he watched for his victims. Ooh. But there's a very interesting thing. Um, it's actually mentioned by Shakespeare in Macbeth that the grease from a hanged criminal could be, yeah, I know, <laughs> could be used in magic rituals. Oh, and they would take the this grease. Does yeah, this mean like the sweat and sort of? Well, the sort of bodily oh. fat. Oh. from the decomposing body oh. um, and they used to wait under the, the gibbet collect this oh. um, I know it's ghastly isn't it <laughs> and they would, they would then use this fat to make a corpse candle I've heard of the corpse yeah. candle is that where that's from then yeah. that is weird it's a corpse candle or a hand of glory that's extremely it really is weird. weird and apparently it was used to conjure up the death of an enemy Oh, so it was used in a sort of a cult fashion. Well, apparently. So was this people that would sneak up there then to get this stuff? It wasn't sort of an official part of the uh, Oh, no, not at all. No, no. It was almost certainly witches. Yes, yeah. okay, yes. yeah. Oh. Of course, there's another rather more prosaic um, origin for the word or the name, mm. the watching place, that people would watch from there to um, keep an eye on houses where the plague was thought to be oh, okay. um, rife. Yeah, okay. but why just that one spot on Dartmoor? And also, how could you watching? really tell if someone had the plague from a distance? I know it's you know <laughs> it does limping plague, yeah, plague, yeah, yeah or yeah. huge boils, plague. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah plague. That's how yeah. You know. No, no, it's uh, pretty implausible. No, but, but that's very interesting yeah. about the corpse candle. That's mm, very strange. Yeah. But apparently, the watching place is still haunted by um, a ghostly hooded cloaked figure mm. um, and you were talking about the, the being no modern day um, yes. sightings of ghosts um, well I'm not so much I, modern day sightings yes but what I quite like is a modern ghost is what I'm looking for ah well I can't help you there I'm looking for a sort of 1990s you know fresh prince of bel-air kind of <laughs> ghost what's, what's, well someone some, in some you know bright t-shirt cool... hyper color t-shirt <coughs> big trainers yeah yeah that's huge, what i'm looking those for almost circular shoes that uh, skateboarders that's what i'm looking yeah. for yeah no I, that's yeah. never been recorded <laughs> it's weird isn't it it is but on this occasion at the watching place chap driving along one night mm. oh saw a figure standing by the this stone mm -hmm. thought oh it's a rotten night i'll stop and give him a lift wound down his window all he could see was a black hood Ooh. and two red <gasps> staring eyes burning into his very soul. Nasty. What did he do? Wind the window Legged up, it. drove on. Yep. Good man. Wasn't having anything to do Roll with Roll up and carry yeah. on. <laughs> There's a very interesting story. I'm just, uh, just thinking about this. Um, again, on the eastern slopes of the morning, the village of Dunsford, mm -hmm. um, apparently a young lady and her... Her lover, her her swain, perhaps as, it might, as he might have been called in those days, were strolling through the lanes, and they had a terrible quarrel. Right now, it so happened that whilst this quarrel was going on, the young woman was knitting a stocking. Okay, this happened, just in the middle of the argument. This happens all the time, yeah. doesn't it? 
you go out with a girlfriend. Oh, do you mind if I knit this stocking? Yeah, carry on. That's absolutely fine. Maybe that's what kicked off the argument. You're always yeah. knitting that blooming stocking. However, the young lad was unhappy. He quarrelled with his young lady, mm-hmm. took the stocking, strangled her <gasps> with the stocking she was knitting. Is that ironic? Probably. Probably ironic. <laughs> wasn't sarcastic. Was <laughs> um, no element of sarcasm. Oh dear. He he was of course Exeter Assizes, convicted. Good. Condemned to death. Yeah. Up um, on the gibbet. Probably not on the gibbet. Oh, this was later. Post jib. But today, the two young lovers can be seen peacefully sitting side by side on the stile. She's still knitting the stocking. That's very similar to that other story that we had about the uh, about the couple. Do you remember there was? It's a, it's a, it's obviously a thing on Dartmoor where these pairs of ghosts end up sort mm. of spending eternity together. Well, it's not the only one we'll hear about during the course of these podcasts. Oh, well, there I we think. go. It is it's yeah. interesting because I've not really, not really come across that. I always imagine ghosts to be sort of solitary characters, but there's been a, several stories now across Dartmoor where well, a couple has ended up uh, in the afterlife together. Yeah. Oh, and there's, there's another um, tale of a near the. Um, Castle Drogo, because mm-hmm. you're familiar with Castle Drogo. Again, in the River Teen Valley, it seems yeah, okay. to be a very haunted spot. Yeah, um, People have seen, winding over the hill, a long troop of horsemen, possibly oh. from the uh, Civil War period, yeah, okay. possibly even earlier, possibly medieval knights. Some say they could be uh, the ghosts of the perambulators of Dartmoor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We'll we'll talk more about the perambulation of Dartmoor in, in another episode. Okay, I think. good, good. Um, Samuel Rowe he first um, wrote about the, uh, the perambulations, which started in the 13th century and went on for some years. Hmm. Uh, well, some centuries actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there is one I I think you and I have spoken about many times. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the classic Dartmoor hauntings. Go on. You can tell me. I bet you know what it's going to be. Go on, is this going to be the hairy hands? Got it in one. This is one of my favourites. This is the story of the hairy hands. Yeah, excellent. And it's one of the longest running and uh, most popular stories. Mm. You know the stretch of road. Most people who know anything about Dartmoor know that wonderful stretch of road between Two Bridges and Post Bridge. Archerton on the left. We've spoken about Archerton Tennis Ground in the previous thing, I think. Um, It's called Nine Mile Hill. The first sighting of the hairy hands was in 1921. The prison doctor from Princetown Prison was driving along his motorcycle and sidecar. Beautiful children in the sidecar. <laughs> yeah. And mysteriously, the engine suddenly detached itself from the frame of the motorcycle. It dropped out. Just dropped out. Maybe he hadn't done up the nuts and bolts. Properly. We don't know. The children jumped clear. He was killed. A few weeks later, a bus left the road at exactly the same spot. The driver said he'd felt a pulling on the steering wheel. And two more local men in the next few weeks had exactly the same experience, but they escaped unhurt. But none of those, you notice so far, no mention of hairy hands. indeed. And yet these strange... Vehicular accidents on this same stretch of road. Yeah. The same year, a young army officer was driving along, also on a motorcycle. 
and he's the first one to have reported the hairy hands pulling his handlebars, forcing him off the road. Oh, it gripped the handlebars. It gripped the handlebars and put... In my in my mind, I've got the hairy hands pictured because you know that stretch of road, and in the daylight it's quite open. Yes, right? it is. To the side, yeah. But at night you can only see the, the lit stretch of road with your head. That is right. Are, right. And it becomes almost completely pitch black on yeah. either side. Don't forget, on one side there's a plantation of fir trees, so that's always okay, very dark. Right. Yeah. What I the way I imagine it is is two enormous hands reaching out from either side of the road, sort of over the top of the road, and grabbing, you know, the vehicles off. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's the intervention of the hands or a hand with the driver of the vehicle. Well, that especially on the motorbike. You know? Yeah. And like the bus driver said about pulling the wheel. Of course, there were lots of speculations in the press at the time. The Daily Mail said it might have been an earthbound spirit of a murderer. Or maybe... just I like the way the Daily Mail goes straight to the ghost option. That's uh, probably a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe um, the manifestation of one of our prehistoric ancestors. From That's a I weird know. one. Yeah, well, that's the Daily Mail for you. They neo- will... A Neolithic, a sort of ghost of a Neolithic, Neolithic man. yes. But a couple of years later, apparently, a man was strolling out um, in the grounds of Archerton, which always seems to feature in these mm. these things, and he heard a horrible... Eerie screaming. Now, we mustn't forget that in the grounds of this house is a Kistfane, one of the finest Bronze Age burial yeah. places on Dartmoor. Could it be the ghost rising from the grave and uttering this terrible scream? Ooh, interesting. We just don't know. But there's an even worse example. This is quite horrible. Mm-hmm. A few years later, a couple and their child were staying in a caravan at Powder Mills. Now, it's not exactly where the hairy hands feature has been uh, noted, but not far away, only a mile or two away. Okay. And most people, again, I think, know that Powder Mills is where gunpowder used to be made. Um, the factory was far away from any local habitation, so if there was an explosion... Only the blokes who weren't yes. there would get killed. I mean, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> <That's fair enough. laughs> um, but they had a caravan in the grounds of, of, of the powder mills. They're having a lovely holiday on Dartmoor until one night the lady was sitting in the living area of the caravan and she saw the palm of a huge, just one huge hairy hand Ooh. climbing up the window outside the caravan. Oh, she made the sign of the cross. Unfortunately, the hand disappeared. But Simple n- solution to that one. But next day, very, very close to that spot, a car was found overturned in the ditch. The driver was dead. Mm, mm. Very strange. It is. and Very spooky, the, the hairy hands. That was 1961. So 40 years of hairy yeah. hand action. And in 1991, another car overturned at the same spot. Oh, really? Yeah, the driver said he'd been paralysed by deadly cold. Oh, very weird. It is really odd, isn't it? You could see it, though. I mean, especially when you're when you're up there in the dark, you do start to think, and I've often found that driving, and especially in remote places, that your mind starts to wander, 
and you see you have the sort of cone of light from your headlights and just black everywhere else. It's very easy for something to just catch your eye out of the darkness. Yeah. It's it's that peripheral vision, isn't yeah. it? And as soon as you turn, of course, it's gone. Yeah. The moment's passed. But the latest sighting of mm. something was in 2006. Okay. Um, again, a young couple were driving along that same stretch of road and they saw what they thought was a pair of hairy hands over to one side of the car. Weird. But it was investigated in some detail. And do you know what it was? What? Somebody had hung a pair of black gloves on a barbed wire fence. That's weird. Isn't that strange? That's really weird. Yeah. Why did they do that? Mm, that is very odd and a very weird thing to do. Now, we've spoken a lot so far Creepy. about ghosts of people. Yeah. But there are ghosts of animals. Dartmoor seems to be haunted by strange... Well, we've, we've had spectral... many instances of spectral dogs. Yes, we have. Um, did we speak about the spectral goat? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Ah, well, this is a good one. Um, I think we might have had a pig. Oh, we, we had I the pigs. we had the pigs, yeah. Oh, the ones who were looking for the horse. That's dead the horse, dead horse. Dead yeah. horse. Yes, yeah. we've done the dead horse and yeah. the pig. Yeah. No, this is a spectral goat. Okay. And apparently, um, in the 1950s, a woman was riding on the moor um, on her way home to Cheryl, which is one of the old medieval tenements okay. in the middle sort of basin of Dartmoor. Um, and the horse got lame. Oh, dear got off the horse, led it along by the halter, and suddenly she heard a rustling in a nearby hedge. Burst through the hedge. What should it be but a headless goat? A headless goat? Yep. The stump of its neck was still pouring blood. Oh. And although it was dark, somehow she could see this. Maybe it could have just been an actual headless goat, rather than a, rather than a spectral headless goat. Well, no, because... It was so dark, I don't think she could have seen a real goat. This goat had some kind of luminosity oh, about it. Oh, wow. Um, and she was naturally pretty scared. but I think so. A few months later, she plucked up courage and decided to take the same route again. What happened? Headless goat leapt out, neck severed, blood pouring out. Yeah. And yet... No tradition has ever been found to explain this weird Very incident weird. of the headless spectral goat. Mm. That is a weird one. Do you want to hear about some other spectral animals? Go on then, why yeah. not? There's quite a few. Yep, go um, man walking home from Chagford, for example, stepped into the hedge to let a hard-driven horse go galloping by when the sound got next to him. What? <laughs> no horse? Just the sound. Never any explanation. Weird. 1920s, again near two bridges. Now, this might be a sort of variant on the hairy hands. Yeah. A man was driving along, saw a huge spectral horse right in the middle of the road. Massive white horse. Slowed up. Oh, didn't hit the horse. Gone. Yeah. Just disappeared. Was it mist? Was it the mists swirling around Ooh. that part of the moor? I mean, the thing is, you, you people are very aware of animals being on thoroughfares. And yes, Dartmoor, yes right? they are. So, uh, you know, seeing a, a wild pony or a sheep or something is not an unusual occurrence. Not at so all. So for people to remember it, it must have been something it must, weird. It, it must have been. I mean, the local authorities have put up those uh, signs which have got the terrible pun in them, haven't they, that say, 
animals take more care. Oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> very good. <laughs> but uh, that's that's local authority. <laughs> um, well, the, well, we'll talk about another one now. Mm. Um, the Bloodhound of East Dart Hotel. Ooh. This is a weird story. So many of them are weird. They're just implausible, aren't they? <laughs> this one... You, that is the sort of nature of this show. It is the nature of this show. Yes, myths of the moor. Yes. Um, but you're going to summon up all your imaginative powers okay. to believe in this one. Right. A ch- apparently a chap who was a teetotaler, i.e. He never touched alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, he inherited the pub, the East Art Hotel. Um, as soon as he took up ownership, and I can't imagine any businessman today doing this, right. he took all the alcoholic drinks from the pub and poured them into the ditch. Oh, hold on a minute. So he, was t- he took ownership of the pub with an intention to run it as a pub? Uh, correct. And then threw out then all the threw alcohol. Threw all the alcohol away, yes. Well, hmm. yeah, okay, all right. Well, it's already unbelievable. It, but... get, it gets worse. Okay. Because of this, yeah. every morning at 3 a.m., an enormous bloodhound <laughs> comes up from Morton Hampstead. <laughs> and on the bus. On the, well, no, there were no, no buses at 3 o'clock in the morning. He probably loped up along right, the road. Okay. Huge bloodhound. Yeah. And licks up. The alcohol oh. from the ditch, and then presumably sort of staggers yeah, back to staggers Morton, back to Morton, back to Morton Hump, Hampstead. That's really weird. They're all weird, but I'm not making these. But things how up. did he? How did he? Somebody more may importantly, have, I'm not. disregarding the the bloodhound. How did he run this pub with no alcohol? Well, that that's not explained. Doesn't it cease to be a pub at that point? Well, there used to be temperance taverns, didn't there? No. Back in the days of the Puritans. Oh, sounds and, miserable. Oh, dreadful. Yeah, Mostly northern, rubbish. I think. Oh, with all due respect to our listeners from the north. But, um, Careful. They, I think some of these um, teetotal houses did exist elsewhere in the country as well. Mm. They say on the radio, other brands are available. I just yeah. stuck away from those temperance taverns. Yeah. Oh, very much so, yes. Yeah, very, very weird. Yeah, very it weird is. indeed. Now, earlier on, we were talking about cobbles, weren't we? We did. Yeah. I was asking what the difference between a, uh, a sort of goblin and a kobold was. Well, I, I've got a feeling kobolds are actually sort of Central European. Don't oh, they okay. Don't they haunt the River Rhine, rather no like the idea. Rhine Maidens? Okay. They're sort of male version of a Rhine Maiden? Possibly. I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners can, um, <laughs> can offer, set us right. Set us right on this. Yeah. Um, but there is an interesting story about one of the... Uh, Mines, we spoke about this at the top mm. of this particular show. Yeah. Um, near Warren House Inn, we know Warren House That's Inn, that pub. wonderful pub, yeah. isolated from almost everything. Mm. If you stand outside it and look across the road, yeah. you see the ground will drop away and yes. then rise into hills in the distance. That was Dartmoor's richest mining area. Mm. And there is a particular area called Chaw Gully. And that is said to be haunted by some kind of creature, possibly a kobold. Interesting. Okay? Yeah. Okay. From time to time, miners have been lowered down the shaft and they've ignored warnings from a raven that hangs around at the top of the shaft. Don't go down. Don't go down. Apparently, it's the same raven that Noah sent out from the ark. Is that also the same raven that, that really annoyed that bloke in... Um, um 
in the in the story with the raven. A blacking stone rock. No, no. the baby. The yes. Oh yeah, that baby was, yeah, was attacked woman, by the woman, damn raven. Yeah, woman left a baby in the garden. Ravens came, took it up. Yeah. Well, they're getting involved all across the board. Oh, they are. Dartmoor's grim raven. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yes, apparently Noah sent out a raven from the ark before he sent the dove out. Weird. The raven just went, just, just, yeah, just, just disappeared. Off. Yeah, yeah, never came back. <laughs> never seen again. So obviously it ended up here at yeah. the Vitter for Mine. Warning people about Warning the kobold. People. Did you really have the story about the kobold already in your notes for this episode? I, because when I mentioned the kobold, I had no that wasn't a plug or anything. No, it was, I was not being a shill, just completely random mention. It, it was just a brilliant piece of, of oh, foresight well, on well, your part. You Absolutely go. amazing. Well, yeah. I'm glad that we, we found some resolution then. Yeah. The, well, at least we know that it is some kind of ghostly apparition, yeah. I suppose. Let's just finish the story, shall yeah, we? Yeah, go on. Sorry. Is the there, Maya, there's more to come. Oh, there's more to come. Okay. There's not yeah. much more. No. I don't know how we're doing. Are we, yes, we're, we're doing we're, fine. We're doing fine. Um, yeah, apparently miners used to get lo- lower down this very, very deep shaft in the endless search for tin and gold. Mm-hmm. Um, the raven would say, don't go down there. There's a maybe a cobble at the bottom of there. <laughs> um, and the morning after, the miner's lifeless body would be found lying on the grass mm-hmm. at the top of the shaft. Why does this happen? You'd expect him to be at the bottom. Yes. Because what normally happens, a kobold will come out with a very sharp knife and ah. cut the rope that he's climbing on. Oh. oh, they're sort of uh, um, trickster type phenomenon. Yeah, they can't, are possibly tricksters. Yeah, yes, ghostly, okay. ghostly tricksters. But apparently, if the guy ends up on the grass, yeah. it means he was a Christian. Oh. Because the evil spirits who live down at the bottom of the mine can't bear... To exist with the body of a Christian man. So they drag him back so up and leave him on the So they drag him back, yeah. That's pretty weird. But Chalicum Down, which is where mm. this is uh, located, can apparently cause, even today, feelings of unease in walkers. And maybe there's been a, sp- a spilt, a spillage of blood there, maybe some battle between the miners. The gold lust has mm-hmm. driven them to a frenzy. In the insatiable search for Dartmoor's hidden wealth. Ooh, interesting stuff. Yeah, fascinating, eh? Because do you remember dear old Risden again? Mm. He always described Dartmoor as being richer in the bowels than on the face thereof. Yeah. Which, of course, simply meant there is gold in them, there are hills. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very interesting. Talking of, of being underground, can I, can I just share a completely separate story? This Absolutely. is not related to Dartmoor, but it no. is... Um, it's a weird story I heard. I was actually listening to um, another podcast I listen to every now and again uh, called Mysterious Universe, which is an excellent podcast if you like all things weird and supernatural. Um, and they told a story just the other day which really uh, rung a bell with me because it reminded me of a situation that you and I found ourselves in. Wow. Do you remember many years ago when you lived in France, we uh, once went to an abandoned mushroom cave yes i do outside of lucelimal somewhere yeah um and it was a very spooky experience now there is a story from france and i don't know exactly where it was from but a story uh, going back uh, i think it was sort of in the 1920s of a guy who went into the mushroom caves um in an abandoned cave just like just like the one we went mm. to in an effort to commit suicide he went there to um uh 
to be away from everybody and just go in there, commit suicide and be left yep. alone, right? Fine. Yep. And he went in he went in there and he started to walk around and it just it, it reminded me so perfectly because once you were inside and we turned a couple of corners, it was absolutely black in there. Absolutely pitch yes, black. Yes, it was. Particularly after Biffo's torch had failed, after about the first five <laughs> yeah, seconds. Exactly. <laughs> and once all the torches were out, you'd have to, you'd feel, you'd, you wouldn't even be able to see your hands no, in front of your face. Right. Um, and supposedly, so the story goes on uh, that the guy ended up not committing suicide, but ended up staying in the cave and getting lost. And then sort of having an epiphany of his life that he then wanted to continue and somehow survived by sort of, you know, sucking water from the limestone mm. walls and was discovered 31 days later, later, still alive in the mushroom kit. But stark mad, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, had a, but it completely changed his... Mm, uh, changed his whole life. Yeah. Of amazing. course, one thing I do remember about those uh, caves mm. is... Hundreds and hundreds of bats yeah. hibernating, and it was so cold that the bat's fur had little droplets of water. Yeah. So you can almost imagine the bloke sucking the water oh. off, off the skins of the bats. <laughs> he, he'd have never known the difference because no. he wouldn't have been able to see anything. He might have thought they were sort of small fruit hanging oh. from the side of the, the mine. Creepy. But they were very strange places. Anyway, so that's not a Dartmoor story, but I thought uh, an interesting one. Ah, oh, very good one. Yes, that uh, brought back some memories very, of our time weird. in France. So there we go. So uh, another episode, uh, another episode in the can, and some more mad stories from uh, from those moors. I've enjoyed telling them. Excellent. What can we expect uh, from the next couple of episodes? Then? Well, we're looking in the next episode. I think about the rocks and stones of Dartmoor. Okay. And as we've discussed, there are many of them the giant recording device we've yeah, learned that yeah and uh, in the episode after that i thought we might talk about dartmoor as a giant graveyard oh the tombs and burial places of the moors very interesting right well thank you very much big guy once again it's a great pleasure and thank you to everybody listening and uh, we'll catch you next time on myths of the moor <laughs>